Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Dave Glover Show with Dave, Rachel, and Kevin. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring Outlet. The flooring experts. I got floor.com. Welcome back, guys. DGS 204. Beautiful day out there. Um, Friday is our live show out at Hardy's Mid-Rivers Mall for Operation Food Search between 1 p.m. and 5 p.m. So please come on out. We will uh, be selling 30 brand-new DGS shirts for 30 bucks. Um, you can pay more than that. Captain Roger Brand got the first one, and he paid a premium for it because that goes to Operation Food Search. Sing it $61,000. We're trying to get to seventy, which I think we're going to do, uh, which will put us nipping at $600,000 total over the last six years. So uh, you should be very, very proud of yourselves out there. Uh, also, uh, share a little good fortune for the show. We just named the number five afternoon show in the country uh, by Barrett Media, so we only have four shows to take out. And then we're number one. Just tell me who they are. Yeah. Why do you think you're here? Uh, Time for the priest. Got the bully cut today and everything. Yeah, you sure do. You sure do. Uh, I just want to put myself in a locker when you came walking in. (laughs) Time for the priest and the rabbi. uh, Monsignor Ted from ICD. Rabbi Shmuel from Asia Torah. Good to see you guys. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Yes, see you. Thank you. Hi, Dave. Good to see you. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to start with you, uh, Monsignor. You were just talking about uh, you're 74. Most of your peers uh, retire in their 50s or 60s, but just how much you you get out of uh, your job still. And, uh, you know, you compare uh, Monsignor Ted to Jeff Bezos. And I'm not saying that Jeff Bezos' <laughs> life that. Is, <laughs> is empty by any means. He probably has wonderful relationships. Yeah. But he's one of the richest guys in the world. Mm-hmm. But there's you can't compare with all of the, I don't know if you could even begin to count how many people you've touched uh, who've lost someone, who are going through something terrible, who need encouragement, who are celebrating. I mean, and I'm not trying to be a big cliche here, uh, but that compares pretty well with, with having a giant yacht and private planes. Yeah, it's a lot better. When when thing is, what I have, what he has is money can buy what I have money can't buy. Yeah. Right. I'm in my uh, 49th year as a priest, and right in addition to the things you mentioned, all the years I was in teaching, uh, young people for years still do. I still go into classrooms everywhere from uh, K to eight, and uh, but going back, going back almost 50 years ago, 
So, and, and following, I feel like I tell, I describe myself to our congregation now as a priest we say is a spiritual father. I'm like a spiritual grandfather. So these uh, multi-generational relationships. Yeah. yeah so I, I do. People ask me, say, ask everybody, you ever see the Wonderful Life movie? They go, yeah. I said, well, at the end, uh, what is uh, Brother Harold say to George Bailey? He says, George, you're the richest man in town. Not because people are throwing money at him but because of the relationships he had from helping people. So we're good friends. You're a fun-loving guy. I think I would have been afraid of you if I were a student. You got a way about you. Well, you know what? We, the, the phrase that we use spiritually, we talk about uh, the, the fear of the Lord. And uh, the, the fear of the Lord is, uh, is uh, the scriptures say, is the beginning of wisdom. But not afraid uh, he's going to treat you like uh, Kevin. And be and be be tough, be, <laughs> Look be, at tough that. be tough and mean to you. Look at that. But be, but be be afraid. The idea is there's a respect, and you don't want to offend the person. I could have seen you as a priest. I mean, not my now. uncle is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, my uncle John. Yeah. He's he's I think 85 now. I mean, he's retired from um, having a parish. He used to teach him. He was my French teacher in high school. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's in our family. Yeah, my aunt was. Uh, she passed away not long ago, but she was a nun. Mm-hmm. My wife's aunt is a nun. You know, it's not that far off the. Believe it or not, I'm not that far away. Yeah, <laughs> from yeah. that life. <laughs> Rabbi, how are you? Doing great. How's, how's the community holding up? Thank God. It's it's uh, it's not an easy time, but thank God. You know, Hanukkah has been a, uh, you know, it's been a big. One of the things I think I told you about this I'm very impressed by is to just see all the people still continuing to express joy and happiness. And, yeah, you know, you, you got to have feel two feelings at once. I so. know that uh, it's not like you're in a secret society, but I'm sure that when uh, you are together, you can say things that you can't say if there were people outside of your community there. Um, to the degree that you can share it with us, what are the discussions like within the Jewish community? And of course, you don't know all of them, but in your small corner of the of the world, what are the discussions like since October seventh? I think some people. I think a lot of people are are shocked by the response to this. I think that um, I think there's a lot of feeling of like a, a double standard. You know that 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 there's one rule for us and. You know, I think like with the college thing, the, the three college presidents, I think people feel like if this had happened to any other group of people, if there was groups of people calling for genocide of blacks on campus, you know, as soon as the George Floyd thing happened, you know, everyone ran out and condemned. So I, I just think that the, that when it comes to both the war, the Jewish people defending themselves from a, just a heinous attack and, um, you know, also just the way that it's been handled by, you know, and things like the, the college campuses are not the only place, you know, in the media and outlets that there's a double standard. And so I think they feel kind of, you know, fingered kind of and, and that, that they're they're just awestruck as to that such a horrible thing could happen. And now you're being criticized for you defending yourself against yeah. it. So I think that's the kind of feeling. So to say that uh, the Jewish people had a, a tough road to hoe is an understatement. But I said it on the show yesterday. I worry about the future yeah. because I feel like anti-Semitism has gone global. Yes. And it's much more OK now, even if it's just sort of soft anti-Semitism mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't hate the Jews. Right. <laughs> I just fill in the blank. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. No, it's I. I I think most of the Jewish people kind of feel like it, this has been there and it's been under the surface 
but it's uh, the people that are that would want to have said these things in the past are now emboldened. And uh, you're right. So it's it's a uh, the, you know who knows what what the future holds. You know, um, uh, I was going to joke with you that it's you know if we talk about Hanukkah, it's such a relief to talk about uh, to get stop talking about the war. But then Hanukkah is about a war. You know, and so this is nothing new, you know. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we look at Hanukkah right now and, we, and, and there, you know, you can't help but feel the comparisons that, you know, Hanukkah is about that we rededicated ourselves to our Judaism, that the Greeks tried to pull us away from our Judaism. The word Hanukkah means dedication. That's what it means, which means that's what the holiday is really about. And so what, what I think a lot of the Jewish people also were in my circles are talking about how we were, our response is to be more Jewish, you know, and to, that's our response. We can't, we can't fight. You know, most of us can't fight, you know, we're not going to be on the front lines. As far as the, the anti-Semitism goes, there's a lot of these things, you know, the president Biden, he just said that, um, that, you know, Israel's, uh, you know, losing the war in the, in the world and the media and the, and, and I, I, I hate to say it, but I think that's, I, I don't think there's any way to win that war. I think that's a naive statement. That there's something that we could do differently that when then we wouldn't lose this war, I think is naive. And so the only thing we can do is is be us and fight the war and and hope that somehow you know, I, I just want to point out to everybody if Hamas is not defeated, there will never be peace. There's zero chance for peace. The chance with Hamas defeated, it's still somewhat slim into the future. But it's getting better. I mean, Saudi Arabia was about to you know, hopefully they still will. That's some reason why people think Hamas did this. But if Hamas continues to rule in Gaza, there is no chance of peace. And so this is the only chance there can be a peace. And it's a, it's a terrible price to pay for everybody. Terrible. Um, and nobody likes this. You know, and on October 6th, this wasn't happening. You know, this was precipitated by the, those events. And we can we can pray for peace in the world in the future. But right now, you know, it's 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 the, there's no other choice. What about I know we're getting in uh, pretty deeply into the politics here. We'll switch it up when we take the break. But I'm curious, one of uh, President Biden's criticisms of Netanyahu is uh, I don't think you're interested in a two state solution at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that there's Judaism, the religion, and then there's the state of Israel, which is a country with right. a government and a judiciary and the whole thing. Right. But overall, what is the sentiment, do you think, for the two-state solution? So all of the rabbis that I always knew and the great rabbis that in Israel would all be for a two-state solution if it would indeed save lives because life matters more. The problem is like this is, is that Israel, this is the, Israel gave Gaza in 2005 to the Gazans in order to start to create this two-state solution. They pulled their own people out of Gaza. 50,000 Jews, I believe, were pulled out of Gaza. They had schools and synagogues. They ripped it all up and pulled them out back into Israel and gave Gaza over to the Gazans without any walls. And so how do you—every time so far Israel has given— something to the Palestinians to create a state, it's only been a launch pad. So the thing is like this, this is what I ask anybody, you know, uh, Mahmoud Abbas, who is the head of the Palestinian Authority, denies that October 7th happened. I think the problem with the two-state solution is who are you going to make peace with? I don't see any, you know, saying who's going to run a a civil society? You know, the the West Bank, which is being run by by the... um, by Abbas is a disaster. I mean, for itself, in its own right, it's a disaster, really. It's not good for Palestinian people. I watched this morning, I can show it to you, I watched a video of Hamas um, 
terrorists on top of the, the aid coming into Gaza. They're standing on top of the trucks with the aid on it, shooting it at Gazans who would get close. These, these are gonna, this is going to be the leadership of Gaza? And so I'm just wondering, okay, a two-state solution, but, but who do we deal with? Who can we make peace with? Whenever we give them something to say, okay, let's make peace, it turns into war. And so I think if we could make a, a two-state solution with somebody, if let's say after this is all over, if there can be a Gazan council of people that get together and want to live side by side, so maybe we could start something. Maybe Israel can keep control of security for a while just to make sure that it doesn't turn back. Because I think that Hamas, that anything left is going to try to kill anybody that, that tries to become the government. Maybe there's a chance you can put together a council of Gazans who want to live side by side and succeed. They have a wonderful little piece of land there. You know, there's a beautiful beach there. You could build beautiful hotels. There's two four-star hotels there. And um, it could be wonderful. You just have to get at people that don't have a religious need to destroy the state of Israel, and maybe you could have a chance at peace. Um, you guys can always call the show. Hopefully you know that. But especially during, like, the think tank or priest and rabbi, uh, whether you have an opinion on something that one of the gentlemen say or you want to take the, the conversation in a different direction. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. DGS, Priest and the Rabbi, join us if you'd like. Um, so whether you are religious or you are not religious, everyone's living their life and everyone wants to be happy and they want to feel like things are going well and, and things are moving in the, dire- the right direction. And whether it's politics or COVID or whatever it, it, it is or was, uh, I feel it and I think most people feel it that whatever it is, it's almost like there's been a shift. 
life feels different. The, the very texture of space-time just feels different. It feels like we've been demoted somehow. Uh, there's a movie, uh, Risk Cutters, mm-hmm. uh, where if you commit suicide in the movie, you go back to the same world, but it's 10% worse. And if you do it again, now you're 20% worse. Everything's a little darker, a little mm. danker. And I got to be honest, that's kind of how things feel the last few years. Mm. Are you hearing this from your parishioners? Do you do you sense this? Sure. Yes. I, I would say, again, you referenced before, I'm in my 49th year as a priest. I would say in my younger days, I saw kind of a quantum shift about every 10 years. And now I'd say it's more like every three to five years. Um, I think that has to do at the heart of it from my perspective, of course, is there's uh, what you said, we've been uh, put in some dark world, no uh, common set of values. No, there's no moral compass upon which people agree. And whether, and of course, in my case, it's connected to Jesus Christ being the Savior, but even people who aren't even religious speak of a moral compass. It would be a a common set of agreed-upon values. I know on on the uh, the show before we were on, you were talking about that. Will will the center hold? I I don't know, and I don't want to get into the political side of it, but just culturally, uh, is there enough, enough unanimity? What I preach from the pulpit is, folks, there's no amount of guns and no amount of laws that's going to keep us safe. Um, it, it, interiorly, uh, in our society, unfortunately, happiness is a goal. We don't teach happiness as a goal. We teach it as a byproduct. Happiness is a byproduct of making good decisions. So what I find in our parish is even people who have incredibly complex lives and have had a black cloud over their heads if they have that strong inner set of values and moral compass, they're as sad as you and I are about some of the ways the world is going. But it doesn't mean they're still making good daily decisions, and it means basically they're happy. You know, they're happy in a crazy world. And as I said, I, I've been at this church 14, I'm in my 14th year, and I would say every three years I can see um, a, a shift in the direction you're talking about, but I remind the people, you don't need to choose that. Rabbi? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely I definitely see that. Um, you know, I'll just share this one idea. You know, I, I, I was a person who, I think I've told you in the past, I didn't grow up uh, religious, a religious Jew. And one of the first teachings that I, I learned when I came to to, to start to study about Judaism was this, uh, there was one of the statements of the rabbis that said, who is it that, that's wealthy? It's the person that's happy with what he has. And who is it that's strong? It's the person that is, can control himself. Who is it that's wise? It's the person who learns from every man. And who is it that's honored? It's the person that honors everybody else. And what I, what I thought about that statement is that what basically we're being taught is that everything that a human being wants in life, they already have. It's inside us already. You know, as we, everyone thinks, well, if I'd go out there, you mentioned Jeff Bezos. We all think like, if we'd go out and get that money, then I'd be a happy person. If I'd, I want to be strong, so I got to get to, there's something external I need to get to that will give me that. You know, I want to be, all these things that we want to be, 
Uh, I, I think we're living in a society that, as was mentioned, is missing a lot of the the values that we we all grew up on. I always mentioned when I was a kid, I, I watched All in the Family and MASH as a child on television. Probably you did too. And before that, the reruns were Father Knows Best. The shows today are basically Father's an Idiot. And so I think we, we've lost a lot of that. You know, it kind of went skidded downhill from having that strong family, that respect for our parents, that that the teachings. You know, I always tell people that, there really, it, 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 there shouldn't be a, a this idea of having a a um, generation gap because when you respect the parents and that the parents have what to give, when you look at your parents as a dinosaur, it means they're they're not teaching you, you're not getting the values from them, looking up to them, which is the way that uh, it always was, and so we need to teach and we need to we need to go back to our core values of understanding that the things that we want, as was mentioned, is much more. There's much more important things. I'm not dissing the idea of becoming wealthy. If that's what a person wants to do, that's fine. And you, you know, you, if you produce good things and people purchase them and you've done something good for the society, given a product that people want, great. But we need to realize that the strength is inside us to behave like a, like a mensch, like a human being that's already inside us. We have to take that and, and we have to go back to that, you know, and, uh, and we see so much behavior. That's just, yes, the, the, the society clearly to me has, has taken a step backward, and I'm I'm hopeful that somehow, you know, we've we've come back from we had a civil war in this country. So I you make you wonder can you we've had terrible times. The hope is that there can be some kind of you know reversal. You know. Well, thank you guys for another great year. Appreciate it. Thank you. Wish you both well, your congregations, and uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, all the best. All the best to you. All right, thank yep, you, Dave. See you in 2024. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. on KMOX. What do we got coming up here? Uh, Joe Bucks will be on a four. That'll be fun. Get Joe's yeah. take on a few uh, sports items. This one hit me the wrong way. Uh, things that your Amazon driver doesn't appreciate you ordering. Kitty litter, dog food, and bottled water because they're so heavy. Aww. Now, I feel you're right. I feel for people. <laughs> your your dad was with UPS, My right? My dad was a UPS driver for a long time. I'm not going to shed any tears. But it's what you do. Right. It's what you do. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. I know that sucks, and I'm sure it sucks really bad when it's like 100 degrees out and you're hauling stuff. Uh, but, I mean, I've had hard physical jobs before. 
part of the deal. Right. Have you guys ever seen like any behind the scenes content of an Amazon truck or anything? A few. It's very interesting the way they, I guess other people load the truck for the drivers yeah. and it's loaded in this very specific way. Mm-hmm. And that's how they do it at UPS too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Totally different. People Fascinating doing stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely, I definitely feel for like, you know, especially if it's like a tiny woman, female, or <laughs> tiny woman, female. What am I talking about? <laughs> like a, a small person, like lugging all this heavy stuff. I get it. But then, yeah, I mean, it's available on Amazon to be shipped for a reason. So people are obviously going to do it. Yeah. I, again, I, I'm, it's just part of the deal, right? I mean, and also they're not shipping like a 200 pound set of dumbbells, you know, we can, everybody can carry a bottle, a, a case of water or a bag of dog food or whatever. I mean, again, it's not fun. I get it, but I mean, you're, it's delivery. I mean, we, it does make you wonder about the protocol. Cause you can order couches and stuff off of Amazon. I wonder if that's just like a whole separate. They must, yeah. yeah. Right, they must. Hey, Rachel, let's play the uh, Hunter Biden sound. Uh, Rach has a take sure. on this. Uh, so Hunter Biden, my understanding is that he is supposed to do a deposition for the House, um, and he has said, I would be happy to. In fact, I will do it today, right now. We can start right now. Give me 15 minutes to straighten my tie. But I want to do it in public. I don't want one of these behind the doors, behind the scenes things. I want everyone to hear what's going on here. And so he did a press conference and said this, among other things. And in the depths of my addiction... I was extremely irresponsible with my finances. But to suggest that is grounds for an impeachment inquiry is beyond the absurd. It's shameless. There is no evidence to support the allegations that my father was financially involved in my business because it did not happen. Got a couple other pieces of audio here. Let's play. For six years, MAGA Republicans including members of the House committees who are in a closed-door session right now, have impugned my character, invaded my privacy, attacked my wife, my children, my family, and my friends. They have ridiculed my struggle with addiction, they have belittled my recovery, and they have tried to dehumanize me, all to embarrass and damage my father who has do- devoted his entire public life to service. One more. Let me state as clearly as I can, my father was not financially involved in my business, not as a practicing lawyer, not as a board member of Burisma, not in my partnership with a Chinese private businessman, not in my investments at home nor abroad, and certainly not as an artist. <laughs> During my battle with addiction, my parents were there for me. They literally saved my life. They helped me in ways that I will never be able to repay. And of course, they would never expect me to. I'm a little confused with the, and maybe I just haven't followed this closely enough, but we're getting really mixed up with like the things that were actually shady and the addiction. Those are, I get that they're intertwined in his head and maybe they should be intertwined for everyone. But most people are looking at the situation going, well, if you did something wrong, it's terrible that you also struggled with addiction, but that doesn't wipe away the fact that what you did was wrong. So always 
putting those two things together. Like, there's a lot of, I don't know. It's just odd to me. Like, every time he makes a statement, it's also about the addiction, too. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying. Um, the other thing, the thing I was saying to Dave in the office earlier was, I think he should go and be a part of these hearings. He's been subpoenaed. And it's either bad when you don't reply or don't comply with a subpoena or it's okay. And for years and years, whenever it's people in the Trump camp not complying with a subpoena, then it's, this is bad. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. You're not in control here. You need to go comply. I also think Hunter Biden should comply in this situation. I don't, I don't get this whole thing where it's like, I'll only do it if everyone can hear it. Well, but you're also complaining that they're dragging you through the mud and making you look bad. Like, which one is it at that point? I just want to know what happened. I just want to know the truth. I think all of these things are true at the same time because I feel like you should comply with a subpoena. And I felt that way about Mark Meadows and I felt that way about Donald Trump or anybody else. If you get a subpoena from Congress, you need to go and he should go. I agree with him that it should be done publicly. What's there to lose? Why, why wouldn't you? I mean, if you're if you've got him, if you've got the evidence, I would want to put it out there for everyone to see it. What's the argument against doing it in the public forum? We're not talking about matters of national security here. We're not talking about anything that could damage the the, the infrastructure of the government. This guy was never in the government. Mm. Yeah, I, I understand what you're both saying, that to Rach's point, it has become, and being a former practicing attorney, where during my era, from about 1990 to 2000, uh, if you were subpoenaed, you showed up. Or the sheriff's deputy came yeah. and they they literally put you in a squad car and they brought you to court. And there was – it would have been laughable on a local level or national to have this cafeteria approach. Yeah. Well, I'll, sh- yeah. I'll show up. Uh, however, I want tea and crumpets or, you know, whatever it happens <laughs> to be. So I get that. Yeah. Uh, but I also understand that there is – there are a few things more powerful than we can have this conversation – but let's do it in front of everybody. And uh, nine times out of ten, I'm going to be on the side of the person who wants the transparency. Yeah. And I'm going to side-eye the person who says, well, no, no, we'll do it behind closed doors. Unless it's something like uh, national security. Right, right. But, but, but here I think that's a pretty tough putt. I think the only thing that makes sense is that the Republicans want privacy because they want to control it and they want to make sure that nothing bad or negative comes out either favorable to Hunter Biden or negative to someone on their side of things. I get that. Uh, yeah, I get that. That That's part of politics. That's part of the parliamentary procedure. Procedure. It's part of uh, being a lawyer. It's, it's part of a lot of things administratively. Mm-hmm. But my gut, while I'm not a fan of Hunter Biden's, uh, but my gut is, yeah, yeah. To Rachel's point, comply. Yes, 100%. But also it makes the other side look pretty bad when they're, no, 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 no we don't just, want this out in public. The not complying thing, I'm, you know, there are a bunch of people who don't do it. But I look at the situation and I go, oh, you think you don't have to obey the rules because you're the president's son. That's what it really yeah. comes across as. Especially when you're talking about, he was certainly never involved with me as an artiste, like, come on, Hunter, you're what's going on here? Like, I'm just not a fan of his. I understand that he has struggled with addiction. I feel bad for him, but it's also being used as a shield in ways where it's like, don't question me. I'm an addict. Okay. But you're doing things that are shady that people have 
you know, I would think some legitimate questions about. Yeah. You can't just have everyone drop it like a hot potato every time you bring up that topic. I, I know a lot of Republicans. I know a lot of Democrats, uh, uh, politicians and civilians. I don't know a single person who I would say is carrying any water for the Bidens. I don't know a single politician, politico like Michael Kelly or John Hancock or just friends who are protecting the Bidens. People who are going to vote for Biden, I feel like, like Michael Kelly says, and Ian Mackey was saying yesterday, like, he's done a great job. And uh, I believe they believe that. But I don't know anyone who has Biden's back, and certainly not Hunter Biden's back, the way that people have Donald Trump's back. And you can make of that what you want. I'm just saying that I don't feel like a lot of people care that much what happens to the Bidens. No, I don't think so either. This also, the to, to, to kind of tie this together to a bigger thing, this is why intellectual honesty and consistency matter. Because you cannot defend whoever it was, Giuliani, Meadows, whatever. You cannot defend their defiance of a subpoena and then get mad at Hunter Biden. You cannot be the person that was mad about them and not be mad that Hunter Biden is not complying. Mm-hmm. You have to have it both ways. I want it to be public, just like I want Donald Trump to get his request for his trial to be televised. I think that we should see those things. I don't care which political side it is. We all need to be more intellectually honest on these things and stop playing the team game where when my team does it, it's fine. But when the other team does it, it's terrible. You cannot defend one and then rip the other, regardless of which way you're going. It's got to be consistent. That that isn't. I mean, that's maybe this is my you know my uh, being naive, my naivete. That's what the legal system is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be consistent. That's why there's a blindfold. Yes, it's supposed to be consistent, not dependent upon whether you swing to the left or the right. I also think it's sort of like, uh, pick your analogy. It can be in a family. It can be in a business. It can be whatever. You'll, you'll all get this analogy. But when you look around your little world and the people around you are not being held to the same standard you are, you tend to go, oh, well, all the rules are off, right? I, if, if my brother Billy isn't going to get in trouble for this, then I'm going to go do that because why am I going to get in trouble for it? And I really believe, like we're talking with the priest and the rabbi, that we all kind of sense this devolving of life over the past few years and more and more rule breaking. Uh, I think a lot of it is that we look at the government and we see them not following any real set of rules. There's always an exception. Everyone has a reason they don't have to show up for this or they don't have to answer that question. Why wouldn't? the citizenry then go, well, then why the hell am I going to follow all the rules? I it's think, just human yeah. nature. I think you're 100% right. When you get a housing market crashed because people are literally gambling on mortgages and nobody ever pays a price for it, what's the incentive for other people to follow rules, to stop gambling with other people's lives? Uh, let's talk to Kevin from Kirkwood on line two. Kevin, go right ahead. Hey, um, yeah. Hey, um, last time I checked, uh, Hunter Biden is a, a private citizen. And he's, he's being expected to do what the uh, – I can name you several congresspeople who didn't comply with subpoenas. So, I mean, why does the right thing always have to start with the Democrats? 
you know, uh, where we kind of both sides, it, you know, where. But I, I, I don't I don't think that anyone who didn't comply with the subpoena has the, the standing to ask anyone else to to um, to comply with the subpoena. I, I think that's just patently wrong. And I think that the um, the nuance is that Hunter is not saying patently no, like those guys did. He's actually saying, yes, but you've been investigating me for years and you found nothing and you want to get me into a dark corner uh, and come out with more lies that you, based on your history. I don't believe you're going to be doing the right thing. So I'll do it, but let's do it. Why would we have a problem with him doing it in the light as opposed to in the dark? You know what? Why would we? I mean, let, let's shed light on the subject. I just don't get it. I don't understand what the problem is. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, I mean, he makes a fair point about that. I agree. It should be done in the public. But at the same time, we don't get to dictate the terms of a subpoena in that way. Yeah. I wouldn't get to. And I don't, And I think it was wrong that those Congress people ignored those subpoenas. Also, I, can't, I can't think that was wrong and then think it's okay right. now. And the so, whole, I'm sorry, Rach, go ahead. No, the whole the statement, you know, why does doing the right thing always have to start with the Democrats? That's, I mean, if you want to... Th- I'm assuming that if you're a Democrat and you think that you're doing better than the Republicans, you actually have to do better. That's why it has to start with you. Whenever it's like, why do I have to do the right thing? Because if you want people to do the right thing, it starts with you, period. This whole like, well, you didn't do it. You didn't do it. That's why our country is such a mess right now is because everyone wants to be a big baby. I'm a big fan of take yes for an answer. I'm a big fan of take the win. I think Hunter Biden got a win today. And if I were advising Hunter Biden, I would because if you guys saw Comer and uh, uh, who's the wrestling coach, Jim uh, Jordan, Jim Jordan yeah. uh, addressing the press, the press were eating them alive. They were they were backing up. So the press had Hunter Biden's back on this. And, and, and if you're a conservative, you may say like, well, duh, Dave, of course they did because of X, Y, Z. But if I'm advising Hunter Biden, I think I'm going to say, go do the deposition. You've made your point. You can walk out just like Donald Trump does, and you can say what you want to do, and you can put anything out there. They said this. I said this. But take the win. You have people saying, yes, why don't you do it in public? Hey, Republicans, what are you afraid of? Why won't you do it uh, when when it's not in secret? But then also follow the rule. Yeah. Go do the deposition. Yeah. You know, they're not going They're not going to put you in a secret jail. It, it's still America. Yeah, so I mean, your dad's the still the president. Your dad's still the president. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're going to be okay. That's a good point. I think you'll make it out. Basketball questions for my sports guy, Draymond Green. Uh. Bad guy, just got over his skis, and then uh, Le- LeBron James' son. Would we care about him if he wasn't LeBron James' son? He's pretty good. Okay. I mean, he's not ranked as a potential first-round draft pick because of his name. You know, he's a talented player. He's not LeBron talent, uh, but I mean, he's playing at USC for a reason. They're not going to, again, they're not going to put you on the roster and play you just because of who you are. You got to be good enough. And he's really good. He's, he's not, again, he's not LeBron James, but if you're getting, if you're good, if he's, he's projected as a first round pick, you, that's legit. You're a legitimately good player. Um, is the NBA Draymond Green what he did? You know, punching the other guy. He says I didn't. I didn't do it on purpose. It just kind of my fist hit him in the face. Um, is the NBA kind of losing control? 
I don't think so. I mean, there have always been these guys, right? I mean, Draymond Green is kind of Dennis Rodman light. Mm-hmm. He's not as crazy as Rodman. He's not involved as many things as Rodman got himself into. But it's the same idea. These guys have always kind of existed. Um, it's a sport where that stuff stands out. And, and the NBA loves drama. Mm. They all fight on social media. Not all, but, you know, they're... They're very vocal about, you know, who they like and who they don't. They're not afraid to share it. It's just part of that uh, NBA. I, I don't want to say culture because that's not the right word because it's a, it's a part of the environment, not just amongst the players, but the fan base. Lo- fans love it. Yeah. It's just it. It's it's the reality TV of pro sports, which, which, by the way, they've been doing since Bird and Magic. And yeah, I mean, look, it's worked, right? I mean, it, those guys weren't as dramatic in terms of causing controversy. But there's always something. There's always been a back and forth. There's always been a clash of styles. And it works for the league. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 